What's Good Games podcast. Britt and I had the opportunity to sit down with Ian Dallas from Giant Sparrow, the creators behind What Remains of Edith Finch. We've talked about this game on the podcast before, and we had some interesting questions for him. And yes, they are very spoilery. So if you haven't played the game yet and you want to listen to this interview, you might want to go and play the game first. Without further ado, enjoy. Hello, everyone. What's good? Welcome to a very special interview of the What's Good Games podcast. We are joined today by Mr. Ian Dallas, the creative lead over at Giant Sparrow. Ian, thank you so much for joining Brittany and I. Oh, thank you for having me. So Brittany and I and some of the other girls talked about your game, What Remains of Edith Finch, on the podcast a couple of weeks ago. But we're here talking to you today because you guys are coming to a new platform. You're coming to Xbox One. Yeah, we just uh, came out on the Xbox One a couple days ago. So congratulations on the launch. We, of course, are big fans of the game. Um, Britt and I have so many burning questions to to ask you (laughs) about this game. And, you know, we thought about maybe not keeping it uh, or keeping it spoiler free, but I think that we're going to forget that. I think this is going to be like a spoiler cast kind of interview, if you're cool with that. Yeah, yeah, no, I've done a couple of these, and it's funny, even the ones where people start out like, oh, let's let's do it spoiler-free, it, uh, you know, it does kind of change over time as people start getting into the questions, so. <laughs> yeah, no, because yeah. inevitably you want to you wanna know something that is, you know. There are a lot of things I want to know. <laughs> okay, so, so go ahead, Britt. Okay, so there's a lot of death in this game. I have to know, why death? Why this theme around death and everyone dying? Very untimely. Uh, yeah, I mean, it just sort of emerged that way. It wasn't something that we you know, kind of went in thinking, let's make a game about death. I mean, the initial, the initial idea was uh, making a game about awe and about you know, creating moments where you know, the player would feel simultaneously you know, they were in the presence of something very beautiful, but also that they felt small and a little overwhelmed. And the moments that seemed to evoke that the best you know, tended to revolve around somebody dying. Um, and yeah, I, I don't know quite how it worked out that way, but, um, yeah, kind of early on, it felt like that was the way to go. So this game is super unique in a variety of ways. How would you describe the genre that this game is? Cause trying to elevator pitch somebody, this game is really kind of <laughs> difficult. Yeah, I mean, I don't know that there's a genre per se. Like of the existing genres, you know, walking simulator for better or worse is probably, you know, good enough. People will understand, you know, at least initially what this game kind of feels like. Uh, Like it's not a multiplayer brawler or whatever. Like it's sort of like a walking simulator. But the, you know, kind of two or three sentence description of the game uh, for people that haven't seen it or played it at all is uh, that it's a collection of short stories about a cursed family in Washington State and you play as Edith coming back to the house you grew up in. When you're coming back, everybody in the house by this point is dead. So you're the last person in your family left alive. And you're trying to figure out what's happened to everybody. And in each of the bedrooms, you find a story about how that family member died, which you as a player then get to live out and kind of experience you know, the world through these different people's eyes. Uh, and each story has its own kind of unique aesthetic and gameplay that hopefully express you know, a little bit about what that person's life was like. 
Unique gameplay experiences are, are, are something we talked a lot about in our discussion, and some of our favorites being, you know, the um, the cannery scene and um, the comic book scene. I also really enjoyed. Uh, how did you guys come up with the ideas? Was there a specific, you know, thing that you guys were going for? Did these ideas kind of come about sporadically? Uh, well, again, usually they came about because of an interest in the sense of awe. Like that was kind of the the thing that united all these stories was a moment that we felt like, you know, we could kind of get to that was within that story. Usually we started with a mechanic where it would be something like, you know, memories of what it felt like to be on a swing set when you were a child. And, uh, you know, then we sort of worked from there and figured out, well, like how long would this be interesting? What do your buttons do? Uh, you know, it wasn't for quite a while making these prototypes, you know, until we actually started thinking about who is this character? What is their story? You know, how might ultimately all of this kind of fit together? But, uh, you know, say the kernel of all this was the mechanical gameplay kind of interactions and trying to make something that felt like it had a chance of getting to a place of awe. Speaking of characters, a lot of their deaths are left open-ended. What happened to Barbara? <laughs> You know, like what happened to the little girl who, who ate holly and toothpaste, yeah. you know, was I'm assuming that was intentional. But why leave it that way? Why not close off the stories? Yeah. So I think a big part of, you know, the sense of awe is our inability as humans to fully understand the world around us. And, you know, I think it's particularly true today where we have so many things like in our pockets, you know, it's basically an oracle that we can whip out and answer seemingly, you know, any question that we have. And it's easy to, you know, kind of lull ourselves into the sense that we are in control and that we really understand what's going on. And, you know, when it comes down to it, like, when am I going to die? What does this other person think of me? You know, like all these like really important, the really important questions. And so for us having stories that, you know, didn't resolve themselves in a, you know, neat way where there was some ambiguity felt like a truer expression of the kind of world that we wanted to create, where we wanted to remind players that, you know, there's no way to really know the truth about anything that all you can do is, is kind of piece it together. And, you know, our hope was that it didn't feel like we left people with cliffhangers where, you know, there was a story and it's just, there was no way of knowing. And uh, if only, you know, you could tune in for the second part of this thing. But it's more like, well, you know, we present some facts or some perspectives, and then it's up to the player to decide you know, how they want to interpret those things, which I think is also more true to like my own experience of family history, where, you know, if there was a truth at any point, you know, that is long gone. And we're in a place now today where we're just kind of picking between different versions of reality and trying to you know, figure out what makes sense to us about what might have happened. So do you know what really happened to Barbara or do you haven't figured that out yourself yet? <laughs> I want to know what happened to poor Barbara, <laughs> the child star. The very human desire to want to know, you know, what, what happened. And, you know, I can honestly say I have no idea, uh, you know, partly because, you know, these stories were from the very beginning designed to have, you know, a slightly ambiguous, uh, you know, ending to them, but also because the stories have evolved so much over time. Like, you know, in the very beginning of this game, it was a completely different experience. And each of these stories, you know, has gone through so many revisions that 
it's hard for me to remember quite where we landed or why I would have things be the way they are. And you know, in some ways, it sort of like made itself. But, you know, I think in Barbara's case, you know, there's a good argument that, uh, you know, I mean, the simplest version, right, is that Rick just killed her. Like that definitely happens, you know, with, uh, you know, boyfriends that uh, get out of control. Maybe she ran away. It could be that there, you know, she really was eaten. I mean, my personal favorite is always <laughs> just monsters. that the answer is exactly the thing that you've seen. It's like, oh yeah, no, there were monsters. Um, and at one point in this game, you know, and, th- and this is the thing that's really hard for me as a creator of it. Like there was magic in the world. Like you as Edith would cast spells and do things. And obviously the game that we ended up with is nothing like that, right? There's no overt magic. Maybe there's magic, but there doesn't have to be. Like there's nothing that says this must have been the work of, you know, goblins and elves and fairies and whatever. But, you know, I, just for me personally, I do kind of like the idea that each of these stories is like, no, no, it's very simple. It's like, you know, she was eaten by, you know, a monster or, <laughs> or whatever. Um, the world that you and your team created felt very full and realized, very also uh, linear in a, in, a, in a nice way. While there was obviously exploratory elements to this game, it felt like it wasn't overwhelming. How do you go about making the call about like how big you want the world to be or how small you want the world to be? Obviously, a lot of it was done very deliberately. Did you guys have other ideas that you either wanted to add in or had to cut? Yeah, I mean, there were there were tons of stories that we had talked about doing or, you know, secret passages in the house or little interactions. And, you know, I don't think there's anything that we made that as a team we felt like, oh, man, if only we'd been able, you know, to spend another month on that thing. It was really close. I think all the things that we cut, we cut for pretty good reasons. And some of the things that we kept, maybe, you know, should have been cut for equally good reasons. Um, but, yeah, I don't think that we really had a sense of, oh, you know, the game should be this long like this is how long it should be for the stories i think we did have a sense um you know looking at like molly's story was one of the very first we ever did and that story is like around 20 minutes or so and that felt like about as long as made sense i mean partly and this is gonna sound a little bit stupid but you know just because we didn't want to have any kind of saving you know in the middle of these stories uh because i think when you get to a point where you save as a player that actually you know, kind of feels like a stopping point, you know, it kind of breaks the tension. And we wanted to save those moments for places where it actually made sense and fit the pacing. So like when you enter a new bedroom, we throw up a very visible saving icon, which is no longer required. I mean, on consoles in the old days, you used to have to show something that said you were saving, but that's no longer a requirement. We do it just so the players actually feel like, oh, I can put the controller down. I can go get a sandwich. I can do whatever it is that I want to do with my day. I mean, again, like it's one of those things that sounds really stupid, but on the Unfinished Swan, we did something similar where our, our previous game, where when you entered a new area, uh, these like bars, black bars would come down from the top and the bottom of the screen, uh, you know, to give it kind of cinematic feel that would tell players like, oh, you've reached a new area. It's, it's time, you know, you can take a, take a breather. And we noticed in playtests that, eat their snacks. If we give them like drinks and, and snacks and stuff, they wouldn't eat their snacks or drink their soda until the little black bars came down. So they started calling them snack bars because uh, <laughs> they like let players know like, okay, it's time to relax. And, and for us, it was about 20 minutes, you know, on the outside for a story. No, that makes sense. I mean, there were, um, there was 
I ran into a problem where uh, in in the story where you're the owl and you have to catch the rabbit that I oh. was having a lot of trouble catching the second rabbit, the mama rabbit. And so I yeah. was like stuck mm-hmm. in a loop of that section for like 15 minutes trying to catch the rabbits. <laughs> I'm yeah, sure it was yeah. just, I'm sure it was just me like pressing the button at the wrong time or something. But, um, I was like, man, well, there is, this a is bug, really hard. Like <laughs> with the second rabbit that makes that rabbit, I think impossible to catch. Oh, although... see, I knew it wasn't my fault. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't know if you had to restart in order to catch the rabbit ultimately, but I usually when closing the game bug, yeah, and reopening it. Yeah. Yeah, that that may totally be the bug. And if you got it, I mean, I apologize, but then I'm also sort of really impressed because <laughs> that is a one in a hundred chance. Uh, we know because when we I'm demo gonna the game run out packed, and buy a lottery ticket, I'll be right back. <laughs> yeah, no, like we counted the number of people at packs that came through because there was this whole like pin thing you would win and whatever. We know, like, okay, two hundred and some people came. Two times we saw that bug, so. We tried to reproduce it. Our QA tried to reproduce it. Uh, you are a very unlucky and unlucky woman. I well, guess, but, yeah. <laughs> Shit happens, I guess. Probably not your fault. Yeah, yeah. Um, and apologies to anybody else out there that got that bug. Like, that was one of those heartbreakers where, like, we really tried to fix it. And we just, it's so I, hard I, I'm sure it. no one out there is holding a grudge against you anywhere. I'm, <laughs> I'm sure it's fine. The game is fantastic. So our uh, co-host, um, Christine Steimer, is off screen helping us man some tech stuff. But I know she's dying to know, did the little girl die of Holly poisoning? Did Molly Can die we from confirm Holly? Oh, I mean, it, yeah, that is one Yes, we can confirm that that could have happened. Um, That's not a confirmation, Ian. Right. I mean, well, in in light of my other answers, you know, like she might have been eaten by a tentacle monster. Uh, She might have eaten these holly berries. Uh, We heard somebody. It could be, yeah, something in the toothpaste. Uh, We heard somebody theorize recently that uh, where she had to eat things. I can't remember what the name is of, of that condition, but, you know, there's certain people that, have to put things in their mouths and then they, you know, end up eating whatever, like staplers and, you know, things that ultimately will, uh, will uh. cause them harm. So perhaps, you know, that's what happened. Uh, my personal favorite, you know, not that it's my favorite, but it's like a, a creative uh, explanation that we never thought of when we were initially creating the story, but we've heard a couple of times now, is uh, what we've called the tent uncle theory, which is that the tentacle monster sort of metaphor for um some kind of you know physical um like incest or you know some kind of trauma that she had suffered you just made it a little bit darker it was already a very dark game in a certain sense yeah (laughs) i think all of those are viable options Yeah. yeah yeah okay so the house is very well done and designed. I mean, as soon as I stepped into the house, I just kind of spent 15 minutes just gawking around and just kind of, it felt like a really homey, cozy home. Um, so you've done the house thing. Is there any other game you'd like to make with a different setting, but the same sort of idea, <laughs> like a ship, a ghost ship? <laughs> uh, I mean, I would love to do another story that was a collection of tales. I think that that for me as a player really solves a lot of problems in a fairly elegant way. Like, I think I have a hard time in a lot of games sustaining uh, interest in a story that lasts for three or four hours. Like, it starts to feel like, wait, wait, who is that person? Like, there's so much going on in a normal game that I can't remember characters, you know, beyond half an hour to an hour. So 
I would love to do another collection of stories. I don't know. Yeah. If it's like, initially the idea for this was some kind of breakfast club, like a group of high schoolers who were sharing stories, uh, you know, something around a campfire or uh, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of other options. I mean, it's like Canterbury tales, you know, basically with uh, a group of travelers that are spinning yarns and, uh, and telling stories, but yeah, I mean, probably we're not going to race out to do another game about a house. I think we yeah. have, uh, done what we could what we have to say there uh but but yeah something else in the future so you guys have done a couple of you know really unique experiences if you take like unfinished swan and then obviously what remains of edith finch uh, what are you guys working on next can you talk to us about it <laughs> uh it's in a very very early stage but uh my interest now is in the way that animals move so i'm planning to spend the next year or two uh just kind of learning animation and becoming a better animator and exploring what it is about like seeing an animal that feels really interesting. Like I think there's just some kind of innate human connection that we have uh, with living creatures that I'd love to explore in a game. Well, that sounds Ooh. really exciting. Yeah. Um, Ian, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us today. Is there anything else about your game that you would like our <laughs> fans and listeners to know? Um, no, just that it's available on PlayStation 4, Xbox, and uh, Steam. All right, great. Well, you heard it when we obviously love the game yeah. here at the show. So if you guys haven't yet gotten a chance to play it, please do. It is an excellent experience. And I would would recommend if you can spare the time to play it all in a single city. Yes. It's definitely worth it. Absolutely. All right. Thanks so much, Ian. Take care. Cool. Thank you. Bye. Bye, everybody.